Thank you, Sean Ennis, for joining me today on Behind the Pros. Thanks for having me. This is fantastic. I'm excited to talk to you. I read your short story collection, Chase Us, and I have this little composition notebook that I take notes in, and I have a bunch of questions uh, to ask you about um, some of the things that you do in the text in regards to your narrators and all the characters. Um, But we're going to get to that. But before we do, I want to start off with when did you know you wanted to be a writer? Wow. Um, so I've always enjoyed writing um, in a, a sort of casual way. It wasn't until I went to went to college that I started to understand that, like, it would be possible to, uh, you know, do that professionally, like work at it and do it professionally, well, semi-professionally at least. And, um, and in college, I... I <laughs> I made the really smart decision of being a philosophy major. Huh. And I realized at the end of it, cause it was, you know, uh, if, if you want to pursue that discipline, you have to go to graduate school and you have to learn like six other languages. And I didn't, I didn't really want to do any of that. And, um, what I realized was I liked, like what I really liked was like the big booming voices of, uh, the, the philosophers that we read. I didn't, I, I didn't really expect to, you know, have some theory about the meaning of life or anything like that. But what I really liked was just, you know, um, especially those philosophers that just like said like almost outlandish things, you know, um, mm-hmm. which is, I, I think very much at least what the fiction that I like to write, um, often does. And, and I guess, you know, obviously really good fiction, um, Maybe maybe does have a a philosophy sort of lingering in in the background. Hopefully, it's not too too overt. Um, but um, so, not surprisingly, after I got my illustrious degree in philosophy, I worked at Barnes and Noble uh, for a while, and uh, that wasn't going real well. And I was working. Then I worked like a job in child welfare for a while, which was also kind of a nightmare. And um, I just sort of thought, you know, I should maybe think about, you know, trying this writing thing and uh, see if I can get in anywhere um, for graduate school. And um, shockingly, I did. And so I suddenly found myself saying, all right, well, I'm going to take this, you know, seriously and, uh, you know, hopefully get better at the craft um, and, you know, figure out what I'm doing right and, and, and what I'm doing wrong. Um, and it's always been, I don't know, it's always been something, that, you know, like so I teach freshman composition at the moment, you know, and 95% of my students are like, you know, I hate to write. And um, I've always enjoyed it, you know, and it's always been uh, fun for me and therapeutic for me and uh, something that, that made sense. And, um, as you'll probably see from this interview, I'm a bit of a blabbermouth. And so there was like yet another way of, uh, running my mouth a bit. So, Mm -hmm. um, so that's the story the deep down psychological reason why I came to writing. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but, um, it's always Mm -hmm. been something that, um, has made sense to me. Being that it is always, 
um, something that made sense to you, did you or do you go through any struggles of um, when to write or, or, or what type of writing practice you're going to have in order to produce? Um, you've been published in, besides your book, you know, Ten House, the Mississippi Review, 52 Stories, a Greensboro Review. Um, what balance did you strike in terms of, you know, making yourself write on a schedule or anything like that? Well, at, at first it was, you know, and, you know, there, there's lots of complaints about MFA programs and maybe some of them are, are legitimate. Um, but to me, the benefit of that was I had about three years to say, um, this is going to be my focus, you know? Um, and I also was surrounded by a bunch of talented people who, um, not that it was like aggressively, uh, competitive, but I wanted to, uh, when we would get together either in class or outside of class, um, I felt really compelled to bring, uh, my A game with those people, you know, um, which obviously means, means working pretty hard in terms of process. I mean, it's, it's changed. The physical process has changed a lot over the years, you know, it's one thing to do that when you're 23 in graduate school and, you know, we have an eight year old now. And so that's obviously changed, um, my work habits. Uh, so I can't just, you know, write all night or, or, or something like that. But, um, I think, you know, every, every writer needs to figure out how to do it, um, on their own as well and stay motivated. And I mean, that's absolutely a struggle. I mean, uh, there's no, um, there's no doubt about it. And, also, uh, you know, a bit of a puzzle why, you know, one writing night is fantastic and the next four are kind of miserable and um, I still haven't quite figured out why that's the case. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I'm always suspicious of people that, that that seem to just pump out gold all the time. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. uh, I, the, well, maybe maybe suspicious is the wrong Maybe Maybe I'm just uh, jealous, but... Um, but and and to be clear, I'm not like it's not like I sit around and like wait for the muse to touch me on the top of the head and suddenly you know I mean I think ideas of inspiration and things like that can be overrated and and also be like a really good reason not to write and to just sort of claim to like not not be inspired at the moment. But um, I think um, probably I mean probably that's my biggest struggle, right? I mean writing takes a lot of time. Um, it takes, it, I think, I think the physical aspect of, of writing is often neglected when people talk about it, just, you know, carving out the time and the space and the, uh, you know, other aspects of, of the body, um, that no one ever really, no one ever really, well, not no one, but most I never really got a lot of good advice about that. And mm-hmm. um, certainly that's been uh, one of the main struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, am I answering your question about process or you want me to talk about like yeah. literal process? No, no, you were answering the question on it. And so you have an eight year old now and you know, some, you said you can't pull all nighters. What have you, what has you found? What, what has you found? Hmm. correct that please (laughs) what has you found that worked for you in the the morning (laughs) in the afternoon like what did you 
<laughs> so, well, so like, I'm a big believer in like the idea that the best thing a writer can do is just be honest with themselves about like when they work best, you know, and identify that as soon as possible. And once you've identified it, maximize your opportunities to make that happen, you know? And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, there was plenty of times when I was starting out where I was like, Oh, well, you know, I'm going to be on the plane. I'll write on the plane, you know, two hours on the plane and write on the plane. I'm scared to death of planes. I didn't, I didn't write anything on a plane, you know, um, or I'll go to a coffee shop. I'm not, I'm not, I know I'm not going to get any work done there, you know, and I know people do, people write on planes, people write in coffee shops, you know, and, um, some people get up, you know, at five o'clock in the morning and write for an hour. And I <clears throat> tried all those things. Um, mm-hmm. and after a while realized, okay, here's when you work best, you know, you work best when, uh, your son's asleep, uh, the dishes are done, the laundry machine is running or whatever it does, right. Roaring away or whatever. Um, and I have to be in a space where like the rest of the world can, is put away at least for, mm. you know, at least for the time being. And I mean, I don't, I don't think that's like particularly unique. And I think it's just the flip of, you know, people that get up at five o'clock in the morning, it's the same thing, right? The day hasn't started yet. But um, I think on some level, I waste, maybe waste isn't the right word, but I spent a lot of time thinking like, oh yeah, I can write anywhere. Like I'll write on my phone. Like, no, you're not going to write on your phone. Like don't, you know, I mean, just, just be honest with yourself, you know, and um, also just like setting up the physical condition, like around you, the advice that I give all the time, which is like, you know, what what do you need? Like, do you need... Uh, classical music do you need a glass of wine do you need candles like you know just what you know do you need this like mysterious totem that you found in hawaii sitting next to you you know let's just be honest Mm -hmm. about how you work um and and make sure that because i i do think like i said before i i I do think like kind of the, the the physical space that a writer works in is is um, much more important than we often give it credit for and Mm. um you know, writing isn't, you know, fair enough. It's not like digging ditches or something like that, but it is a physical activity and the body has to be, I think, situated in a particular way. And, um, I think there's the, sometimes the, the, the notion that I, that I, well, this doesn't work for me. Is it like, Oh, you know, especially these days in the sort of mobile world that like I can just get genius anywhere. And like, that's just not, that's just simply not true, you know, at least for me. And, um, that the best, one of the best things that happened for me was to just be honest. And, um, you know, I'm not much of like a scheduled guy, like every day from eight forty five to ten thirty, I'm going to write. I, I don't, that's not exactly how I work, but I do, you know, I plan the week out a little bit, to see what, where those openings are going to come and try to make sure that they do. And, you know, um, which means you have to, you know, you have to say no to things sometimes. And, um, Mm. you have to be, you know, I mean, writing in a weird way is, you know, you have to, you have to put yourself, I don't know if this is like a quote from somebody smarter than me, but like you have to put, you know, you have to put yourself away from the world to write and, um, it's antisocial and it's, you know, it's not that easy. So, Mm. um, but I think, you know, be honest about that. And, and also uh, I'll say this and I'll shut up is, uh, you know, finding, you know, as much as you can surrounding yourself with people that don't think you're a weirdo. If you say, you know what, like 
I'm going to go in my like little cave and write for a while. You know, I'm not going to come out or I'm not going to sit and watch this movie with you. And, and I think I've been lucky in finding people that that doesn't seem like a, just like a totally weird thing to do, you know, mm-hmm. um, because it is weird. I mean, you know, it is weird and it's easier to mm-hmm. sit and watch a movie or, or go out with friends or whatnot. But, um, I think finding people, you know, obviously not, they're not going to write for you, but to understand, like for them to understand that you value this and that it's time that you, you see as well spent, um, mm-hmm. I think is also pretty important. So the, in your earlier, you said about writers often neglect the other aspects of the body. So that's what you were talking about when you mean like what you need to, what type of environment you need to be in. You need music. That's what you were referring to. Yeah. I mean, so mm-hmm. there's, there's this, there's this, um, this book that I, I, I return to a lot and I think about a lot. Um, it's probably, and, and I don't read a lot of books about writing. Um, but, um, by the writer Madison Smart Bell, um, it's a, it's a craft book, um, called Narrative Design. And, mm-hmm. uh, I don't love the whole book, but he, he talks in the beginning about how, like, writing is like a form of self, uh, self-hypnosis. Uh, like when writing, I, I haven't met a writer who can't relate to this, but, but when the work is going well, the rest of the world, you know, kind of falls away and, mm-hmm. uh, it's just you in the page and you're not really even conscious of the page, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and I'm not, to be clear, like, I'm not like some kind of like hippie to be the person about that, but that made sense to me, you know? And that, um, and I think that one of the, well, his argument, and I tend to agree with it is that there can be physical triggers to this that tells the brain, okay, it's time to write, you know, um, mm. that if I put this particular music on or I, you know, make a pot of coffee at 10 o'clock at night for no good reason. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I guess it sounds a little weird, but I mean, you know, I'm, 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 I'm saying to the brain, like, okay, you have 10,000 other things to worry about, but it's time to write, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It really resonated with me. And I, like I said, when I shared this idea with, with other writers, even my freshman composition students, they're like, yeah, no, that's happened to me, you know? Um, and so to me, like the, the, the quest, <laughs> I was going to say quest, that sounds really dramatic, but the, 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 the thing that I'm always striving after is like figure out how to maximize that, especially as, uh-huh. you know, for most of us, you know, everybody's unless you're really lucky or really lonely, you're you're probably really busy, and so you, your time to write is uh, is going to be limited. And the more that you can maximize that time, uh, you know, the better. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, most working writers that I know don't have just you know, days and days to just work. I mean, there are other responsibilities in the world. And so if I could figure out a way to trick myself into being halfway decent in that two hour space that I have, um, mm-hmm. you know, I want to figure, I, I want to figure that trick out. I, I, to be clear, I, I don't, I'm not saying I have, but I think that, um, that, that, that it is, uh, it's, it's possible, I think. Um, and so I, I don't know. I've never been hypnotized, so I don't know whether <laughs> <laughs> Matt Smartville's comparison is that 
accurate. He claims to have been <laughs> hypnotized and says that when he writes, it's exactly like that. So I don't know, maybe we should all get hypnotized. But, um, <laughs> but uh, and plus his, his middle name is Smart. So, you know, there you go. But um, Yeah. So. Um, with that said, do you then prefer the initial drafting of a story or something that you're working on, or do you prefer the rewriting process? I mean, I think I've come to, uh, I've come to prefer the rewriting process. I mean, I think that's, you know, I, I think that's simply a necessity. Um, I mean, I, I think, you know, the, 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 the first draft is, you know, kind of sexy, but um, it's usually not where it should be. And I think, I mean, my my habits now are, let's, you know, especially with short stories, is, you know, let's put an ending on this sucker as soon as possible. Uh, and then we'll go back and actually make it halfway good. You know, like just sort of give in to the fact that the first draft is probably not going to be, uh, not probably, well, I'll say probably, probably not going to be perfect, right? And and that the real, the real work is, uh, is that revision, is that revision process. And I, I think, I, I think the, the, the irony being, I think that most people get into writing because they love that first draft, but then you realize that uh, that's not, that's not the end of the story or, well, that's a dumb pun. I mean, that's not the end of the work, you know? Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I like it. I mean, I, but I mean, I mean, up to a point, you know, I mean, sometimes it can get tedious and, you know, unlike baking a cake or, you know, building a bridge or something, it, it's never clear that the, that a piece is done, you know? And so, um, I think that can be a bit frustrating. Um, and probably one of the biggest challenges is deciding or figuring out when to stop, you know, um, cause what's the you know, clue that you to... use to do that? What's so... the clue that you use to figure out when to stop? Cause that's actually one of the, one of the notes that I have on for the stories in chase us. And so my MFA is in nonfiction. So, um, I don't know the complete, you know, structure of a short story, but it seems like that the short stories end on a note more or less where it's like, it's not like nothing is resolved. Like something happens and then you're, it, 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 it's like, it's, there's a resolve to like, there's a situation that will happen and we see that situation play out, but then it's not, it's not a neat bow at the end. You know what I mean? It's sort of just comes like to be a moment in time. So I guess, that actually ties in with, you know, one of the things I was going to ask you um, about the purpose of a short story and how, you know, so, how I you mean, decide my, on Yeah, I mean, my, my thought is, like, one of the pleasures of a good short story is that maybe in a way that a novel or memoir doesn't, it allows the reader to continue to imagine the world of the story. Mm -hmm. um, mm. And which to be clear, I'm not saying that's better or worse, but I'm saying like that to me, that's one of the pleasures of 
most of the stories that I really like, which is, you know, as you say, there isn't there isn't a tie, a tidy sort of usually there's not a, you know unless everybody dies or something like that then there isn't really a tidy um, satisfying end to it. Well, I don't want to say satisfying. There isn't a tidy sort of like okay, you know, and the the sort of you know happily ever after cliche. I mean, because obviously that's mm-hmm. never true, right? And so. Um, and you know, lots of novels do this too, and memoir and, and things like that. But I, I think that's like one of the, for me at least, it is. Look, I'm going to give you a brief glimpse of this world, and now you, if I've done my job, and I'm not saying that I have, but if I've done my job, then there is a space for a reader to uh, continue to imagine the world of the story, um, and maybe for readers, for for you know, for different readers to have different different what paths or different ideas about where things are going to go, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, yeah, no, sorry. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so let's actually transition into um, chase us because I have a million pages of questions and I want to keep this interview under three hours. Okay, so let's get into talking about Chase Us. And I want to start with the first story in the collection, which is Going After Lovely. And we were talking about where to end a story. And in one of the notes that I have here um, is in that, how did you decide to end the story with the dad breaking into the greenhouse? So that, that, the end of that story is um some kind of that side well i had a weird experience with that story where i turned this, this is a story that i wrote in graduate school so it's one of it's one of the older stories in the collection um and the original version of it and to be honest i can't even remember how it ended but it wasn't right and i knew it wasn't right and Everyone else knew it wasn't right, and um, the workshop leader at the time actually came in when they were, when it was time to discuss my story and had rewritten the end. And I've never seen this happen before, and it never happened again. And I've never heard this happen. And his ending wasn't very good either, and and that's fine. But um, it just sort of brought it home to me that 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 uh, the end of the story wasn't wasn't satisfying in a way that maybe the rest of the, or it wasn't respecting the, like the rest of the story. And, huh. um, for me in that piece, at least at that moment in time for the family, I, I mean, I think this goes back to your earlier question. Like there is not going to be in 15 pages, a quick resolution to what's going on with this family, you know, and, um, there, there can't be a solution. And, and, and the suggestion that, or in me trying to force a solution onto this family would have been false. It would have been um, disingenuous. It, it wouldn't have respected the world of the, the story that it created. And um, I, you know, I've been advised in the fact, I mean, I've seen this advice too, of, you know, like I said earlier, sort of ending on a moment that allows a reader to, to keep thinking about the story. And to me, like, that's at least of the stories in the question, that's like the most dramatic one, right? I mean, it, it ends mm-hmm. with like a command where the father says, like, get out, you know? Um, and so um, 
I think I, I think if this story works, then the idea is like, well, is this a good moment for the, you know, is like something finally going to be resolved for this family, or you know, is it because my hope is the father's final command to the son run is um, kind of terrifying, um, especially if you mm-hmm. were 11, 12 years old and your father said this to you. Uh, but it's also like maybe good advice for that particular moment, you know? Um, and, you know, honestly, like when I, when I wrote that line, it was like, Oh, that's it. I'm done. You know? I, and, and where exactly that came from, I wish I do. Cause I wish I could tap into that every single day, but um, it was just, and not only was it like a nice moment of like, wow, it sort of came out of the blue, but it also came from like a lot of work. Like I worked on that ending for a long time and had to admit a number of times that what I had wasn't respecting the story as a whole. And, um, and so, you know, that was a big lesson for me as a, as a young mm. writer that, um, cause I, I think, you know, I know, I mean, most writers I talk to struggle with endings, right? I mean, endings are hard. How do you, how do you, when do you choose to end, whether it be short stories or novels or memoir? Cause there's always, there's always another day, you know, there's always one more hour. There's always one more minute. And, um, I think I, I read a lot and have written a lot of endings that, uh, feel like an afterthought, like the writer's kind of done you know, um, mm. that said, there's a, a whole mess of stories that I love that, uh, it's not because of the ending, you know? I mean, I think sometimes uh, on the flip side that, that writers sometimes fetish, fetish, fetish sized at that, uh, <laughs> endings, you know? Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whereas lots of readers, especially short stories, they're okay if you're not, um, if the ending isn't everything it could possibly be. Cause it's, I think it's, it's probably the most difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. And sticking with uh, this first story going after lovely, and it's something actually that I think you do throughout the book. You do this, the thing where you tease out the details in a scene, I feel like. So the uh, using the cha- the lovely um, going after lovely story as an example, you we the father gives um, lovely a telescope for for Christmas, and right. um, we don't get the size of the telescope until around page fifteen um, when the narrator says the telescope barely fit in the back seat. Um, right. And then so through all their stories, you do this, like they'll, this, there's something that will be introduced and then it, you, it just a little bit. And then later on, you kind of tease it out and you bring that, that through. Is that something that you go back and do on revision or do you, is that something that you kind of naturally organically come to? Uh, well, I mean, it's certainly a product of revision, but I, I think like for me, uh, especially thinking about issues of like detail and description, there's like a fine line that a writer has to walk in terms of allowing the reader to imagine the world of the story and, you know, providing the necessary details so that, uh, the, the piece is also like, you know, vivid and, um, uh, 
well, it simply makes sense, you know. Um, and um, and the, the, the you know, since all the stories in the book are first person, um, I think it gets it's it's those sorts of like sleights of hand are a lot easier because. <sighs> Like, you know, a first-person perspective doesn't necessarily notice everything about their world, you know, in a way that some mm-hmm. sort of, like, you know, omniscient third-person third, third person narrator uh, probably, there's a little bit more onus to sort of describe the world, right? Whereas uh, my narrator doesn't notice everything all the time, you know, and... um also, I mean, speaking to that particular moment, I mean, I think the point was, you know, the telescope looks one way to him in the, within the house, and then when you put it in the car, it becomes even more, I'm hoping, mm-hmm. like, it becomes even more ridiculous. and Yeah, um, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> right? And it's become, mm-hmm. like, it, what started out as, like, kind of a, like a weird but, like, an acceptable gift. Like, you know, nobody puts telescopes in the back of their car. And so it's like, you know, it'd be a weird thing to do, whereas, you know, having it set up, like, on your patio or something wouldn't be, like, you know, that's crazy. Like, he's on a telescope, you know, like. So I think, you know, I mean, I think slice of hand like that, especially when you have a first-person narrator who you can't always rely, who you can never rely on a first-person narrator to, to fully see their world, you know, and so... Um, I, I think in a moment like that, it's like, oh, you know, he starts to realize like, oh, like this is crazy, you know, like mm-hmm. telescopes don't go in cars and also like it doesn't fit, you know, um, and like I'm a big, well, so like in terms of description and details, like I'm a big fan of like finding the one detail or the one description that will sum up like a larger like a larger reality, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so I don't need to describe exactly what kind of car it is. I don't need to describe how it smells. I just, like give you the telescope and hopefully, you know, uh, the, the reader fills in the blanks, you know, um, mm-hmm. of what, what a ridiculous car ride this is, you know? And, and I, you know, and also the goal, I'm running my mouth now, but also the goal is like, I don't need the first person narrator to say like, this is odd. Like telescopes don't typically travel in cars, you know? And like, I think dad's losing his mind. You know, I like, I just want to put it in the backseat and let's move on, you know? So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, I look for those details. I mean, many of the stories in that book came from some sort of detail like that, that I've seen there where it's an object out of place. And, um, there's usually some drama to it to be explored there when that object is out of place, I think. So, mm-hmm. um, so can I tell a, a brief anecdote of an example of this? So, um, of we live, <laughs> we live in a small town in Mississippi called water Valley and we have a, our grocery store is the Piggly Wiggly. And, Oh, I know Piggly Wiggly. Okay. So, um, and when I first moved here, they had a freestanding like ashtray in the meat department. You An know, like ashtray? Particular... Yeah, right. And like a, so a like cigarette any... ashtray. A cigarette ashtray. Like a like okay. one that stands on the floor and it's like three feet tall. Um and to me, like there's a detail like, well obviously like an ashtray doesn't belong in the meat department. But it also serves to like I think if I tell you that detail, 
you can see, you see the whole store, right? Like you see everything about the store and um, I don't have to describe every dismal thing about the store. All I have to do is tell you there's a cigarette, there's a cigarette ashtray in the meat department. And I hope it's that kind of detail that a reader, a reader would say, Oh, okay. I see the place, you know, it's not, mm-hmm. whole food, you know, and, and so, um, I mean, I'm, I'm on the hunt for those all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. especially with the short story where you need to be, I mean, you need to be as precise and economic as possible, you know? And so if I can find the one detail that will do the work of four or five, um, then I think I'm, 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 I'm on to something. I hope. Mm. I think that a lot, and as if I flip through my notes here is I'll have amazing sentence star, amazing sentence. Like the, you do these, moments where you break in either to a positives or something and it's like it does speak to more than what is doing on the page one of them is uh, marked on page four in the same story we're talking about we will talk about more of the book people i promise <laughs> in going after lovely um the narrator says um i guess and i feel like this might be the is this the adult narrator that like he cre- the adult narrator creeps in as well in this one? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit, right? Okay, yeah. As I I feel like that. Okay. So he says, um, I guess at that point mom was on medication too. She did seem fainter and fainter, almost blurry to look at, charged with a purpose none of us could understand and focused on something just above our heads and out of the frame. Can you tell me about um can you tell me about that sentence? I love it. Uh, well, I mean, so a sentence like that, like, kind of demands that it's it's like an older version of the of the narrator, you know, looking back with like a, a, a decent amount of distance, and you know, I, I, to be fair, like, or not to be fair, like to be honest, like I, I think there are some some moments where that pe- that point of view distance does kind of maybe fall apart a little bit, but, um, I guess I just, uh, I, I mean, the, the impulse behind the sentence is that terrifying moment when you grow up and you realize that your parents are like regular people with lots of, mm-hmm. you know, lots of anxieties and lots of stresses, which, you know, sometimes they are, are capable of, um, you know, shielding their, their kids from, but, um, you know, as an adult, you look back and realize like what, what, what might've really been going on, you know? And that, um, to me, you know, as a boy, the narrator is kind of clueless about what's, what's fully going on. Right. But to me, that was a moment maybe, and maybe it's cheap, uh, but it's a moment to like make clear to the reader, like this isn't just like wacky character, like something's something's wrong, you know, and, um, something that, you know, when looking back, uh, the narrator may have, uh, I don't know, made different decisions about how he treated his mother or how he, uh, you know, dealt with this particular, uh, this particular drama. Um, I don't know, on, on hearing that, <laughs> on hearing that line back, it, it, it feels a little, it feels a little more, uh, What's the word? A little more poetic than the rest of the not poetic, but maybe cheaply poetic than the rest of the book. But um, hmm. I don't know. Uh, well, I'm glad you like it. <laughs> I, I feel I'm insulted. 
<laughs> I don't know that that's a line out. I, I don't know that that's a line out right now, but um, huh. it feels oh, it feels, it feels, it feels, it feels, it feels, it feels a little precious to me. But um, huh. it's. Uh, I mean, I, I think it does its job. You know, I mean, I think it is. Um, uh, I don't know. Kind of straddles the line between, you know, some sort of clinical diagnosis from an adult and the sort of strangeness of the child's experience of what of how his mother is acting. Mm. Um. So it, what's the talk about the character? It's a it's a book of short stories, but essentially we have the narrator who's pulled through, and we have the characters who pull through. But at some point, I feel. It's like they're not necessarily, I wanted to read it like a novel, right? Because I knew right. that, that that was just my natural thing. I kept trying to make direct connections from, okay, lovely. This is lovely who ran away. But I don't, is I, it doesn't seem like that that's necessary. Even though lovely is the same and the narrator is the same, there's a point where I think sure. clip, 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 right? That's right. Because uh, um, he gets the dog, King Kong, right? And so yep. Clip gets a dog, but then in the later story, Clip, another story, Clip shows up as a um, uh, somebody at a, a friend's party. So it's not the same right. Clip. So, but so essentially the characters, they're the same characters, but they're not the same. It's not the same storyline of characters. Am I asking a question that makes sense to you? Yeah, this is a question that um, <laughs> this was like one of the main questions I got about the book and um, to me and, and like I had a lot so the reaction to that for the most part were either this doesn't make sense you know like just 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 complete confusion about why um, maybe some of these details don't don't push forward and that it's you know let me just stop you for a second the reactions from like potential editors or after you it was published what do you mean this is like no it's 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 um when we were when i was in workshop as a graduate student when i was trying to find an agent when she was then trying to sell the book um this was the i mean this was the question and um so, like I said, it, it seemed to fall in two camps. One was, like, just just total confusion. Like, I don't get it. And so, like, obviously that's not exactly what I want to hear. And then the other was kind of like, well, why don't you just make it more like a novel, you know? And <laughs> I, I, to be honest, I, I mean, at first when these sorts of objections were coming out, I was I was genuinely surprised and not because I thought I had like struck on some genius idea of narrative or something like that. But, um, because I thought this sort of storytelling was, um, relatively familiar. Um, I feel like the, the, the storytelling that I grew up on by which I mean cartoons, by which I mean, you know, sitcoms in the eighties, um, this is basically how they work, you know, which mm. is that there are, there's a, a cast of characters who play relatively repeating roles. Uh, but most episodes have nothing, they, they don't relate to each other. You know, there, there, there's, there's no real reference back. To, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I guess on some level I thought I was playing with that a little bit, but I, like I said, I also thought that the concept to me 
didn't seem all that foreign, you know, like, so, I mean, for instance, so, you know, my son watches SpongeBob SquarePants, right? And so uh, in the first 15 minutes, SpongeBob, you know, so I, I can't believe I'm talking about SpongeBob, but so SpongeBob and there's, you know, his friend, the starfish, Patrick, right? And they have a relationship which, is, which repeats over time. But they do all kinds of things that, that don't repeat, you know? And, mm. um, you know, I mean, there, I mean, I think there's literally an episode where SpongeBob and his friends, like, destroy the town that they live in, you know? And then we go to commercial, and we come back, and the town is there, and there is no reference to the fact that they had <laughs> once destroyed the town, you know? And you just go with it. And... Um, I mean, I think TV is different now, and there's there's much more interest in these sort of long dramas that repeat over time, or that, you know, carry through every episode. But, um, I mean, for the most part, the early storytelling that I was exposed to didn't didn't really work that way, you know? I mean, Vanessa would never say to Theo Huxtable, like, yo, remember that thing that you did, you know, two seasons ago? Like, that's come back to haunt you. You know what I mean? Like, those things wouldn't mm-hmm. happen. And, um so anyway, I, <clears throat> I at some point I kind of just dug my heels in and said, you know, um, short of rewriting the book, because I mean some people were like, just change people's names, and that just felt superficial, and and you know, it, it didn't seem to me to improve the stories on any level. You know, like if. You know, he's Clip in the first story, and he's Victor in the second story, and he's Leroy in the third story. I mean, that, that doesn't change, you know, what mm-hmm. what's happening in the book. And um, so I kind of dug my heels in, and, and and it took a little while. And I understand that people, you know, short story collections just in general, everyone is is kind of like skeptical about. But it seemed to me, and also, I mean, I I stole that idea not only from these. Um, from these shows that I'm talking about, but I mean, I, I, I stole it from, you know, Rick, uh, the writer, Rick Bass does it in his short story collection, the watch a little bit. Um, the writer, Barry Hanna does it a little bit in airships, uh, his, his collection airships. And, um, I feel like I just sort of like blew it up. I mean, I thought more, more than anything, I was going to be exposed as like a thief than, um, than that. And I think, I mean, it was kind of funny because I would have conversations with people and I think they thought I had like some deep narrative philosophy that I like, you know, was like, trying to explore. And I like, I had no good answers. And the, I'll never forget the, the, the way I find it. Cause my agent was like, I like the stories, but like, I just don't get what's going on. And this is before she was my agent. And I was desperately trying to get an agent. And she's like, I really like the stories, and, but I, I don't understand you know, I don't understand what's going on with this issue. And I was like, it's like, uh, it's like Tom and Jerry. I'm like, the first episode, it's Tom and Jerry on the beach at Normandy. And then the next episode is Tom and Jerry in that, you know, nebulous apartment they're always in. And the next one, mm-hmm. they're on, you know, they're in outer space. And she was like, oh, I get it now. And I was like, wow. Like, I just, hmm. I just pitched this to Tom and Jerry. Um, so... <laughs> Oh, so that that brings me to one of my other questions, which is in the back of the book. You say yeah. uh, to who your agent is, Renee Zuckerbot and her staff, who were patient, insightful, and believed in the Tom and Jerry pitch for the project. I was going to ask you, what was the Tom and Jerry pitch? Yeah, no, that was it. I mean, it was funny because I think people wanted me to say it was like from, you know, some 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 complicated like 
deconstructionist or something like that. And I was like, no, I'm mainly thinking about like SpongeBob, Tom and Jerry. Like that makes sense. Like, hope mm. so. And um, and you know, I mean, I, I think I I don't know. I mean, I like to think my explanation makes sense, but uh, um, so maybe, maybe not. But yeah. you had this. You finished this collection while you were in grad school. Uh, a, a version of it. Um, mm, a it version was, of it. This is the, the draft of it. Yeah, I mean, this. It was, you know, I mean, the the end of the of the MFA program is, you know, you turn in a, a manuscript length piece, and so it was really only at that point that I started to think about about it as a whole, you know. Um, and then after graduate school, it was sort of like, okay, if I'm going to dig my heels in about this this thing with the characters repeating and whatnot, um, then let's look at, you know, like what's missing. And so I wrote maybe three or four more pieces for it um, in terms of, you know, what's missing from the subject matter, what's missing from the, um, the, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the word is, themes or, or, or whatnot, you know, and, um, try to expand it from there from the point of view of um the the collection as as a whole and not just these individual one-offs you know um because as one-offs nobody knows that i'm repeating these characters or that repeating these particular themes but obviously once you put them all together then that becomes kind of obvious and so um it was sort of about okay how can i solidify to readers that this is not a mistake i'm not being totally uncreative by not coming up with new names for people you know um so, um, but yeah, that was, I mean, I was lucky enough that, that much of that work was, was done, um, by the end of, uh, of my time in, in, in grad school. Mm. So I want to play a little game if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, it is called find the writer. Okay. And so I have a bunch of little questions or things that I've written down um, and based on things that I feel that you've described well, uh, for and now that one of them I know is true, and you said you had a son, um, and you have this sentence in one of the later stories, uh, the story called Dependence, when the narrator is an adult and has a wife and a kid. Um, he's <laughs> the wife is describing, um, the wife is talking, so I'll read this. She says, the baby is crying, she said. This was also true. He does this in split seconds. He is so genuine in his emotions. There is no lag time. His smile cracks on his face like an egg. Then it's pure misery, pure tragedy. And I just, <laughs> just put a star next to that. So I was just like, wow, that's exactly what a baby was about to. It's like a smile. It, it, it cracks on his face like an egg. And then he's a few other places where I wrote down like there's one place where you say the sun and the moon did a showdown um, right. so I'm going off track now from what I wanted to do about the game so the game initially was find the writer and I have a bunch of things to find out like have you done or seen because I was just curious as it came up uh, okay, okay, okay. because we also think fiction writers well no I'm generalizing do I think fiction like so do we think that a fiction writer, um, like you said, you, you're observing things, you see things, or are we pulling, do we pull, we pull from our own lives, you know? So here yeah. is find the writer. 
Have you ever cooked a lobster? Uh, have I ever cooked a lobster? Not in a pot, on the grill. Okay. Do you play soccer? Uh, I did. I actually just tore my, or well, not just, uh, a couple months ago, tore my Achilles heel coaching soccer. So. Oh, wow. Do you skateboard? Yeah. Uh, not anymore, uh, but I did, yeah. Uh, you're married? Uh, n not technically. Have you ever, what does it say? Have you ever been struck or seen someone been struck by lightning? <laughs> no, thankfully. <laughs> uh, have you ever been in a tornado? Um, probably. That's a weird answer. Um, so we have them. Um, <laughs> I guess I should know whether I was in a tornado or not. Uh, certainly we have, we have uh, a fair share of them here and I have absolutely hidden in a closet um, because it was very possible that there would be a tornado which is terrifying if you've never um, been in that position um, and once I was on the highway driving with someone to daycare and I'm fairly certain we we were on the verge of something very very terrifying um, mm. but I didn't go to to Oz or anything like that, but um, but yeah, like green sky, terrifying noises, um, that kind of thing. Mm. So yeah, it's awesome. I recommend it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Have I, so I asked you the lightning question because in one of the stories, uh, a character gets struck by lightning, and um, yeah. when you're writing, and is there I've talked to a few people who've written novels and they say that some of them say they end up a character sort of becomes alive or they start to kind of hear like a voice um, yeah. that is kind of guiding them or just like needs to get out. It, does that um, happen to you? And like in the instance of the lightning, is that like, did that come out of being in that kind of space or... Well, I mean, that line in particular, well, I have two things to say about it. That line in particular, I, I can actually account for, which is on one hand, um, when, you know, we do Little League here, and Little League also coincides with, uh, in the springtime is when we get kind of some of the worst weather down here and so um there have certainly been times when we've been down on the ball field and all of a sudden a storm whips up and it's like all the kids are holding aluminum bats it's like oh my gosh like this is not this can't happen and like um in, in terms of your larger question i you know i i, I i'm on the fence about it sometimes you know when i hear people saying like oh well you know, like my characters, you know, they talk to me and they, they, they sort of tell me how how the story should go. I guess I, I, I always feel compelled to sort of push back a little bit and say, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in charge as the writer, you know, and um, I, I don't see my job as like simply like, you know, in like some sort of like 
Dr. Frankenstein way, just like conjuring something up and then just like observing, you know, and just like recording mm. on what has happened. I mean, I think certainly there's something to be said for voice and there's something to be said for, you know, consistency in characters, what, what a person might do or might not do or, or how they might evaluate a situation. I don't, I, I personally wouldn't go so far as to say, oh, you know, I just, I just kind of like, you know, turn the crank and let the, let them all just go like they're like sea monkeys and I just I just sort of like report about that was like a really bad mixed metaphor but um, <laughs> there's no crank on a sea monkey case I don't, or tank I don't think but um, I don't know does that distinction make sense I, I don't know I just mm-hmm, I, I mm-hmm. like I feel like there's danger in saying that the characters are in charge and mm. or at least for me it's, it's never really made sense and on some level I would love for my characters to be in charge. I mean, it would make my job a whole lot easier, but um, I don't think that, that I think there's a, so uh, like, I think there can sometimes be a danger about like some of the metaphors that we use to talk about the writing process and Mm. and especially ones like that, that seem like vaguely mystical, you know what I mean? Like, cause I think it Mm -hmm. opens the door to being like, well, my characters didn't speak to me today. I guess I'm not going to work, you know? And, Mm. Um, and also given the fact that I created them, um, if they are speaking to me, it's me speaking to me, you know, I mean, I, I don't, um, I don't, I don't know if that distinction makes sense, but I, I just, I feel like that, that approach can sometimes end up in kind of like wishy-washy places and like, I don't want to relinquish control, um, mm-hmm. to, or, you know, at its very worst, I think there's like an excuse, you know, like, oh, well, that's like, you know, that's what, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, the, the character told me to do. I mean, I, I don't know. This seems weird to me. Uh, so following that to the story, there's a couple of stories that I'm trying to do. I won't do two questions at once, but I'm going to comment on one. So earlier you said about the unreliable narrator and there's a yeah. point in the book um right i think around dark flips uh, the story dark flips and and um there's a, i don't know if the other story i'm thinking of is right next to it when they find the quote unquote indians in the cage in the park sure. it, right. i start to think is this guy imagining this stuff <laughs> is this stuff really happening can i trust him yeah. as an uh, but um, so that just a side comment on that. I mean, we come come back to that. But the question in terms of the story ideas. So, for example, Dark Flips does have this feel of so we don't know if the narrator and his friends actually end up committing a murder or not. Right. It ends sort of in right. a way it's like, is the Guido in the skate ramp or not? Like right. what's <laughs> right. Um, and so uh Keeping in line with what we've just said, when you started that story, did you have in your mind, I want to write sort of a murder mystery fan, like kind of maybe it is, maybe it isn't story? Like, how did that story start and how did it end there? I thought. Well, yeah, so like two things, like I. Well, like you asked me earlier, like I grew up skateboarding and mm-hmm. um it's a lot different. I mean, it's a much more acceptable sport, not acceptable, but I mean, it was, you know, it wasn't, it was kind of a fringe sport when I grew up skateboarding. And, um, more importantly, I just, I was 
after I thought about, after the idea came to me, I was like, why have I never read a skateboarding story? And I'm sure one exists out there, but I'd never read one, you know, and it seemed like, it seemed like just potentially interesting subject matter. And like, um, cause also for a writer, because skateboarding comes with like all this like weird terminology, you know, like all this, all this like weird language that if you're not a skateboarder, you don't like, it doesn't make any sense to you, you know? And like, I almost think that part of part, cause I was, I, I was a good skateboarder. Um, but I think looking back, like I, I think part of like what I was attracted to it was that it came with this like secret language that, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of like slang, but um, it just came with like its own like language in a way that like other sports didn't. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if I'm psychoanalyzing myself a little bit, I think like just sort of my own interest in language and things like that it was, it, it was cool. Um, in terms of the end, I mean, I think, I, no, I didn't know that that's how it was going to end uh, when I began. I, I think. And, that, and you didn't know that, that, that they were going to hit the Guido with the skateboard. I knew that was going to happen, but okay. what, what the repercussions of that were going to be wasn't, hmm. wasn't really clear. So one of the best advice that I ever got was, well, let me try and keep this brief. Um, this, this idea that, and I, I, I can't say for sure who it originated with, didn't originate with me, but I use it all the time, which is this idea of making, making use of the third option. Meaning um, when you get to any plot point, a writer has three options. One is a yes, two is a no, three is the mysterious third option and almost always the best way to go. So to be to be clear, so the end of the story, um, as you're getting there as a reader, the question is, um, did they kill the kid, right? So um, as a reader, I can anticipate yes, right? Um, yes, they did. I can anticipate no. I get verifiable proof that he was not killed. Or And neither one of those felt like it would be satisfying, you know what I mean, if it was like he just looked and there's like a dead body and it was like roll the credits, you know, and say, what? And um, if they discovered that the whole drama, if they didn't kill the kid, then the whole drama is false. I mean, the whole drama, there, there was no real drama there, right? And and, and so um, I don't know if this is the best example of it, but I mean, that's sort of what I was going for was a certain sense of, 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 of ambiguity about mm-hmm. um, what has happened. And again, I mean, like to me, like the goal at least is, okay, so as a reader, um, you know, going back to the ideas of endings, I mean, the, the, the idea is like as a reader now, like I get to talk, like I get to think about it. You know what I mean? I get to think about like, well, did he kill the kid? Like, does he not care that maybe he killed the kid? Like, is he going to go mm-hmm. try and find it? I mean, it'd be easy enough to find out whether the kid was dead, you know? And so, um, I don't know. I think, I mean, to me also that ending is, is an example of something that, that I, that I struggle with is when I don't know how to end the story, I often like try and like, like pretty my way out you know, and mm. I, think I, I think I get a little uh, in that one. And I'm okay with it in that story, but, I mean, I think um, sometimes when I don't know how to end the story, I, I suddenly get, like, badly uh, lyrical, you know, <laughs> rather than dealing with uh, the situation. That I think I can, like, just sort of pretty my way out. And so that's, like, one of the things that I'm always, like, on high alert for is if I'm doing that, like, I'm I'm barking up the wrong tree, um, 
So I think mm. it, I don't know. It's it's all right. I think in that piece, but I I I, I think it's a symptom of of something that I'm I'm always kind of mm-hmm. trying to to avoid because it's a habit of mine. And like lots of writers, you know, end their stories in really pretty gorgeous ways, and it works. But um, I don't think that's me, and so um, I try and steer away from that as much as possible. But Hmm. In this story collection, so what is your, do you have a favorite story and why? Do I have a favorite? So, ah, geez. Um, so there's, there's one story in there that, that like, uh, that, that people don't really like and I kind of bullied my way. I, I I kind of bullied it into the into the I kind of like hmm. I kind of bullied it in and um. See now it, I want to uh, guess. Yeah, guess. Oh man, bad at guessing games. Let me look. People don't <laughs> really like generally people. Uh, I think if very, I had, had to very guess. Say it again. Uh, it would either. Mm, it's either the kidnapped and the volunteers. Okay. Saint Kevin of Fox Chase. So I'm trying to think of things that are, would have the most controversial stuff. Yeah. And I think this is is it. This is Penny Pack where they find the Indians in the cage. Yeah. One of those three. So, well. I wasn't going to say it, but now you've reminded me that people also don't like the story. Uh, <laughs> and the kidnapped and the volunteers, I had to, I had to, I had to fight a little bit for it. Um, and it wasn't like people were like, I hate this story. It was just, they were just, it, it, it sort of got met with like a level of apathy that I, I was kind of surprised about. Cause I, I don't know. I kind of huh. like the story, but, um, and the, the story that I think is the weirdest is, um, this is recession near the end um, where Cliff has a kidney stone and they're mm-hmm. and he gets a dog. And, and I think, um, I don't know. I, I thought, I thought it was fun, but um, I, I think in retrospect, it was like one long inside joke, like to myself. And so um, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't always really translate. I thought, I thought, I thought I was being funny, but I don't know. It doesn't seem like it really works. Is that one of the ones that you had to battle for? Yeah, well, not battle, but I mean, I I think like it was one of the more recent ones that I wrote. And Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I read this. Like, what do you think? And it was sort of like, yeah. And so. What's that like with. with This is your first book, right? That's right. Were were you nervous, like saying to the editor, "Oh no, like you know, giving pushback on what you want it to stay or not"? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I think that you know, uh, as a first book, I think most people feel like probably like more like grateful and um, terrified. And so, um, you know, pushing back isn't easy. And and to be fair, I mean, like the writer isn't always right, you know. And and so, um, I think you know one of the other important things is is 
to, to surround yourself with people that you trust. And, um, you know, I mean, that story is weird. Like it's, it's, uh, it's kind of wonky and it's, um, you know, it's, it's kind of all over the place and I don't know. And I, I mean, all I can say is like, that's kind of what I wanted it to be. And so, um, in the end, they said, send me the final, the final manuscript, and I snuck it in there, and there it is. So um, and nobody, <laughs> nobody, nobody pushed back. So I, maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but uh, you know, it was. They can't take well, it out and, now. Yeah. No, well, and the, the other thing too is like, you spend so much time trying to make everything perfect, and then you know, you step back and you look at, you know, I think about all the collections that I that I like, and and I don't love every story, you know, and and. Mm. Um, and and different readers are going to, um, you know, are going to respond differently to, to each piece. And, and to the extent to which, you know, I mean, it's, it, it, I felt like I would have been disappointed if it wasn't in there. And so if it wasn't a deal breaker, let's put it in there. You know, I mean, uh-huh. I don't, I don't think a reader of short, of, of short stories picks up a short story book and, you know, if they don't like the third story, they just throw it across the room and never look at it again. You know, I mean, I think they just move on. And, and, and so, um, and it felt like it, it filled a little bit of gaps, um, chronology wise. And, um, and I, you know, I had a good time writing it and that to me is always a good sign, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know that I had a good time writing every story in that book, but I had fun writing it. And so that to me is, you know, um, is, to me is, is a, is a, is a good, is a good sign, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. And that story in particular, I think is dated because it was, there was, you know, it's called, this is recession. And so it was, I was writing it right when, you know, everything yeah. kind of fell apart and, you know, maybe thankfully it's all maybe a little bit dated, at least in terms of the references and, and, and the, the, <laughs> what I perceived as, as, mm-hmm. as humor, uh, well, is maybe a little a little off these days already, but um. it's interesting because at the beginning you say about um, the narrator when the the, um, the first back to the first story we bring this back to the beginning as all good yep. uh, conclusions do <laughs> in uh, going after lovely the dad wants him to see Pluto. And I wrote, oh, is that because of what happened to Pluto? <laughs> you know, Pluto's right. not a planet anymore. And I was like, oh, it might, yeah. might be put that in there because of that. But uh, if you wrote this story back, you know, when you were in school, Pluto probably, I think, was still a planet at that time. Yeah, I think you're, I mean, to me, that moment mm. is just like, uh, well, it's like the dad's bad humor, right? I mean, like, you, yeah. Like, um, I don't know. He's meant to be endearing in that moment, but I, I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe not, but um, yeah, no, I think we still had Pluto back then. So uh, yeah, yeah. Now it just stuck or, out to me because you know, it's <laughs> oh Pluto. Yeah, that's funny. I, um, that. I think I'm reading too much into things. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I mean, that, that is also the problem—not the problem, but I mean, one of the dangers in um, these short pieces is, you know if you're lucky you can you can get them out there in a short amount of time and they can, can then the, the the ones that aren't that great are are often uh, 
they, they kind of date themselves pretty fast, you know, um, at least with, you know, if you're making cultural references or things like that, then so mm-hmm. at least with humor and I mean, which is very important to me. So, you know, I mean, humor is often sort of, uh, uh, dependent on like the moment, you know, and so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I found that also, like, some of the references, I feel like we're in the same generation. Like, I could, i like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what he's talking about. I know. So it gives you more yeah. of a kind of a kinship with the narrator if you, you know, you, you do yeah. get some of those references. A final thing I'm going to point out here on the, towards the end of the book, you did something that I thought was pretty cool. Um, it's the last story. And the last story is called, let me flip to it. This is tomorrow. And this is the story where they are caught in the house that the tornado is approaching, which is why I asked you the bedroom in a tornado. Um, And so his dad is calling back and trying to find out if they're okay. And um, he says, uh, John and Janet and Lovely are crying a little. Warren and Milk are daring each other to go outside to watch the storm approach. Clip and Roger are silent for once in this whole book. And I just thought, <laughs> I just thought yeah. I was cute. I thought that's a line that, that I thought was going to get nixed and it never did. It was another thing. Like I kind of, I just liked the line, like just, you know, yeah. uh, just like, and I'm trying to think, and again, I mean, that's something that I stole or borrowed or was inspired by like, I, I, I'm not like a big like metafiction type of person, but I mean, those kind of moments, I, I don't know. I just like kind of like those like little winks. It's like, especially yeah. if you read the book from the beginning and now you're in the last story and like, I don't know, what would it mean to acknowledge, you know, what, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't think it like, change, you know, it's like, again, I, I don't think it's like any like mind blowing moment or really even changes the nature of the story. But I just, honestly, like I, I was just kind of like a chuckle there, you know, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, no, I thought that line was going to get like, I, that, that feels like the kind of line that's just like cut, you know? Well, you got a chuckle for me and a highlight I too. It's a highlighted well, yeah, yeah, ink. Right. <laughs> I mean, I thought, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a little cutesy, I guess, but I just thought, yeah. um, for the narrator to acknowledge like what he's been doing. I mean, cause I'll say this. I mean, because first-person narration is, is can be like weird, you know, like like who is this person? Who is this person talking to? Or are they writing? You know what I mean? Like it's not always mm. clear. Just this like sort of disembodied voice most of the time, and mm. it's something that I think we kind of take for granted as readers, and, and and people don't don't push back on it too much. Um, but I think if you really think about the sort of like I'm gonna use a fancy word. If you if you think about like the sort of like metaphysical stance here, uh, mm-hmm. it is odd, right? Like what? So I have a, a, a writer buddy, uh, Emma Walsh, who who's fantastic, by the way. Um, he can't write a short story that doesn't have a reason, a, spe- a very specific reason for the narrator to be speaking. And hmm. I don't think a lot of first person narrators usually tell people why they're speaking. You know what I mean? They're just speaking and we just go with it. Um, and so, um, and 
you know, I, I don't, I, I think it's an interesting idea and something potentially worth playing with. Um, I think it can make your head hurt if you think about it for too long, but, um, I think that's, that's, that's maybe just like a brief nod to the fact that like, there's just mm-hmm. been this like disembodied voice for the whole book. And in fact, it is like, like that these things have been, uh, constructed or, or at least organized by, by him in a deliberate way, you know, mm-hmm. um, or me, I guess, but, um, but yeah, I'm glad you took a lot of that. I, 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 I felt, I don't often feel this way, but I, I, I like that little, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of wiggled in my seat a little bit when I, when I, when I read that one. <laughs> so, uh. so what's next on the horizon for you? What is next? So, you know, I spent okay. so much time talking about the, the, this group of people. And so it's, it's really been a struggle to like not start another story that's like, Clip came over and he had a bag of dynamite. <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, I mean, and obviously I have to move on. Um, I've been working on this novel idea for, for, for a while and it's, 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 it's been kind of kicking my butt a little bit and um, it, it, it's revealed itself to be a very different animal than, um, than writing these short pieces, even if the short pieces are, are, are linked in some ways. It's, Mm-hmm. It feels like a dramatically different different process, and it's on some level it's kind of a release because you know the the short story has this like kind of breathless um, you know economic stance that a novel can kind of take its time and digress and you know uh, wander a little bit and, and you know hunt out subplots and things like that. So. Working on that, but also trying to write some stories too that that, that aren't about, that aren't about these people, um, which is also proving proving a little difficult. It, it, it's sort of exciting, but I find um, it's 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 also pretty um, pretty anxious making in terms of okay, you know, I mean, what next is like a like a, like just like a terrifying uh, mm-hmm. question. Um, but I mean, the novel, you know, most novel projects, unless you're like really lucky or like super talented, I mean, it, you know, years in the making and, um, I really like to be, you know, still producing work that has a beginning, middle and end. So I'm trying to balance, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, if the novel isn't, isn't revealing itself, um, to, to, to maybe publish a couple more and, uh, or at least write a couple more short stories and, and try and figure out who I am as a writer if I'm not talking about these, you know, same mm. six people. Um, and you know, I'll be I'll be honest. I mean, like I I dug myself that hole. You know, I mean, I <laughs> I knew I knew the day would come when I would stop. I'd have to stop talking about them, and I just put it off. And so, but now. <laughs> Now we're here. I don't know. I, I mean, it would be weird to continue to speak about this, but um, mm. so I, I appreciate I, your yeah. honesty. You seem like a very uh, self-aware, um, you know, writer and forthcoming. You know, with 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 us today, uh, I think that's encouraging. Well, thank you. I don't know. I mean, I think it's to me, it's a it's a pretty humbling process, and um, and. Uh, a certain amount of uh, honesty and humility about the work is like pretty 
I don't, I don't know. I think it's is is vital. You know, um, it's it's always the writers that, that, that seem to think that they are what they're doing is uh, genius or perfect on the first round that make me the most nervous. I, uh, it's the writers that say, "God, this is hard," or "God, I don't know what I'm doing." Um, I feel like they're a little bit more a part of my tribe, so um, mm-hmm. I try and keep keep it. Uh, <laughs> keep it. Well, I mean, also, I mean, I guess writers are many writers are often very self-deprecating, but um, I'm not trying to be Woody Allen. Now, but. <laughs> Final question for you is not a sure. humble question. This is a okay. brag question. If you were oh a superhero, oh what would your writing superpower be? What is your writing superpower? Hmm. What is my writing superpower? So the thing that interests me the most is, and I and I think it's it's honestly, I'm sorry. This is you wanted a short answer, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just more, go go with it, Sean. Go with it. <laughs> in, in, infinite ink toner. That's that's that, that's my superpower. <laughs> no. Uh, what I. Uh, the thing that 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 really keeps me uh that, that inspired me from the beginning is like that that moment when the piece, whether it be a short story or a novel or a poem or nonfiction or a movie or, or you know any, any any piece of constructed drama when it just takes that turn that the reader couldn't have anticipated um or that the writer mm-hmm. says something that you know i mean the greatest moments are when the writer says something that you've never heard anybody say out loud, but you know, immediately like what, whether it's an emotion or a description or it's, uh, you know, a, a plot point, like, you know, immediately that, uh, that, that it's true, you know? So I would be true, surprising, true, surprising boy, I guess. Mm. With those surprising moments there. I, I can, I can, I was going to say, I can, um, I can attest to that after reading Chase Us. And I, I, I highly recommend it. I enjoyed it. I think I read it in like a day. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the funny thing was I had, um, I think I had just read the St. Kevin of Fox Chase story. And I went down to my mailbox and there was a flyer for some, uh, you know how they have promotional stuff for the neighborhood. And I turned the back of the flyer over and it was for like Fox chase golf course. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> but, uh, Wait, real quick. You, the funniest thing is not the funniest, but, uh, in terms of publishing the apparently, so Fox chase is, is where, is where obviously is not surprisingly where I grew up as a kid. It's a small neighborhood in Philadelphia. Um, I came to discover that there is something called the Fox Chase Review. And I was like, holy moly, like, that's amazing. I'm going to send them some stuff. And they rejected me so fast. Oh. And it wasn't like, oh, I deserve to be published in this thing. But it was just like, I can't even get published in the Fox Chase Review. Like, this whole book is about Fox Chase, for God's sake. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I, have, I guess I have sour grapes about that one. But. I'm going to go find that flyer and tear it up uh, right now. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, all right, Fox Chase Review. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining me. I have congratulations oh, on this book. Awesome. Um I enjoyed talking to you 
And I'm sure your students are, are very lucky to have you in class with them this semester. <laughs> well, talk to me in December. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know it, but I know it. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's very nice of you to say. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview. I did, as you could tell, because I talked for an hour and 20 minutes. Um, so... <laughs> Next time, y'all, next time, I'm going to keep it under an hour. I actually have to shoot for 40 minutes, I think, with the guests because then it's easier for me to do the transcriptions. It only takes about two hours as opposed to three and a half, four. So it's all good, though. I think it was worth it. I hope you think it was worth it. This week, we have a lot going on on Behind the Pros. Scott Hess has a column up. His On Revision column is out, so you need to go to BehindThePros.com and check that out. It's called When History Changes the Story, Using Research to Revise Narrative and Character in Literary Fiction. So definitely look at that, whether or not you write literary fiction or not, I think the things that Scott says about his process are things that writers of all genres can take to heart. Also, if you don't know, I have big news on Behind the Prose today. A piece that I wrote was published in the Chronicle of Higher Education. Yeah, I think that's a pretty big deal, right? They're like the it newspaper for education. So you can go to BehindTheProse.com and check out that. I wrote a little post talking about how I got into the Chronicle this summer. And uh, yeah, I'm happy about that. What else do I want to tell you? I'm down to five in uh, my submissions. I have five left. Um, yeah, I have five left to go, I think. And so my goal is by the next time I come to you with Eric Decker's interview, um, who actually just won the um, Jack Kerouac Fellowship in Orlando, I will have completed my 20, um, my chunk 20. So there, I've said it to you. Um, you're going to hold me to it. I hope, and if you ever send me your goals, I'm going to hold you to those too. Send them to info at Behind the Pros. Thank you for bringing me into your electronic device one more time. Behind the Pros music is by UK artist Redvers West Boyle. You can find him on SoundCloud. The show is hosted and produced by me, Keisha Whitaker, a writer who just tries and stands in front of the fireplace to record her outros in Pennsylvania. Until next time, listen, learn, and write.